Welcome to Learning Minnesota, connecting people one conversation at a time. Today's guest is Mark Zebarth. Mark serves as the principal for Isanti Intermediate School and School for All Seasons of the Cambridge Isanti School District. He's been a high school, middle school, and elementary school principal. Mark is currently in his 34th year as an educator. Our topic today is positive behavior interventions and supports. Mark, you know what? Let's talk. But before we do, um, if you'd be so kind as to share a little bit of your own story. Absolutely, I'd be thrilled. Um, I started in education in 1986 uh, after graduating from uh, Minnesota State Moorhead up in Moorhead, Minnesota, and started my career as a high school social studies teacher in the Malacca School District in Malacca, Minnesota. And after doing that for seven years, I began my administrative journey, first as a dean of students at Malacca Senior High School. And it was there where I began to learn about the importance of consistency and student discipline and student management, as well as uh, developing systems that work really well um, to support students. And uh, after two years as dean, I went to Ogilvie Senior High School as a 712 principal and continued on that journey of looking for ways to be more consistent with student discipline as well as support um, our students um, through their journey in school. And um, after two years there, I was lucky enough to come to Cambridge Isani as a middle school principal, did that for nine years, and continued to work through our student management system and improving it. And then um, began my journey here at Isani Intermediate School and School for All Seasons in 2006. Um, after being in the building for a couple of years, I had some staff that approached me about uh, a, an opportunity through the Minnesota Department of Education to pursue uh, a PBIS cohort to learn more about how we could develop systems to support students. And it really that. fit in. And it really fit in with what we were what we were trying to accomplish as a building, as well as my background, understanding the importance of consistency and um, common language to help support students. And uh, one of the things that's been impressive or interesting to me is how when I started in 1986, we always as educators made an assumption that students um, knew what was expected of them and didn't really put much thought into the fact that we needed to explicitly state what they needed to be able to do, what our expectations were, and then give them an opportunity to learn them, train them, and then when they were not able to do that, reteach and um, help them um, understand what's expected. And by doing that, we created a system um, that made people feel more safe and secure because they knew what was expected and took away some of the, well, in this particular classroom, I can do this. And in this classroom, I can do that. And it, it allows students to have a little more consistency in what they do. So that was um, kind of how I began this journey is just my um, kind of acknowledgement that we needed to have a system that supported all students and we needed to speak with a common voice as a school. Thank you. I actually, in just telling your story, there were a few key pieces that I feel maybe have helped to um, create sort of that perfect storm. And I've heard so many wonderful things about what is being done in your building. Um, it sounds to me like though you have you have a staff who already is interested in pursuing and learning and, and it's all for the students, but you also have you and others as, as leaders who understand that things need to be consistent and things need to be kind of systematized in a way where the students know the expectations and they know the outcomes and they're not questioning, you know, in terms of one scenario or one situation, what will become of this or, you know, um, you know, what are, what are my expectations when I am in the hall or in the bathroom or those sorts of things. So it seems like you have that partnership of staff who are initiating the want to try this, but then you have leaders who also understand that not only, you know, is this fabulous because it's going to be for the students, but we understand that, that, that when those systems are in place, it just kind of creates that great opportunity to move forward and have it be effective and successful. Absolutely. And, and a great story that I have about that is when we first started, we determined that the very first area we were going to focus on was um, our hallway expectations. And um, that was just amazing. We all agreed on common language. And I just remember this very vividly in 2010, after about two weeks 
um, everyone just stood there with their mouths open and said, I cannot believe how much better things are in the hallway. This is incredible. And that is really, once that happened, um, all of the other um, things we did with PBIS took off relatively quickly because it was that short-term uh, feedback that got the told them that, wow, when we use common language and all of us have similar expectations, um, really good things happen. So that was really comforting. That's it really great. helped us. Thank you. Thank you. So um, I suppose in, in talking about you have those, those small pieces of feedback that are rather quick. You said after a, a span of maybe two weeks, um, we should back up a little bit and, and really look at what is PBIS? And I'll be honest, this is something that I've experienced in some of the school districts that I've worked with where they were in the initiating stage in applying for and working mm -hmm. through it. And then another one where they're just in the first couple of years and they're still really trying to tweak and modify some of their things as they are learning and gathering feedback. So um, for me at first it was PBIS is a curriculum sort of a thing and or there is one program or one right. package to follow where it's not that in fact i mean it, it's really it has to be done in a way that is tailored to that particular school school district building so that it serves the clientele who are there the students um you know at, that the school itself is serving so what is pbis what would you say so PBS is a, it's a system of supports um, to help students know what's expected of them and um, also then laying out um, what those expectations are in various settings from the classroom to common areas um, and throughout the school. And so really what it is, is is creating a system that meets your needs. And it starts with laying out um, kind of your expectations of what you want your school to become. And really what it is, is starting with that question, what is it we want our school to be? And then once we have that, then looking at what, is, what do we expect when students um, and staff and community members are in our hallways, when they are in um, our gymnasium, when they're in our cafeteria, when they're in um, outside at recess, when they're entering and exiting the building, when they're in the classroom. So that's really how it starts. Um, an important part of PBS that really sold me on it was before you start, you are um, asked by, if you're going through the Minnesota Department of Ed cohort model, um, you are asked to get 80% of your staff to agree that they really are interested in exploring this more. And the research says that if you don't have that, it is difficult for implementation to be successful because you need to get their buy-in. And like I said, for us, the buy-in happened relatively quickly when we started with um, setting out our expectations for a hallway. Um, and people saw that by speaking common language and agreeing to a basic set of, of expectations for our school, um, how things happened. So the first part of it is really setting out your expectations and your vision for your school. And then the second part of it, which comes after, is then developing a a recognition or acknowledgement system when students are doing it what do what how do we um, reward or praise them and um, one of the things that people sometimes get mixed up about PBS is they think well it's just like you mentioned it's a curriculum and then some people say well it's just we just give out treats to kids when they do what they're what, what, what they should be doing and really what it is it's just acknowledging that what we expect. And so when students are doing, um, for example, when they're walking in the hallway and demonstrating the, the expected behavior, um, recognizing that and praising it. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be a tangible reward. It can also just be an acknowledgement. And some schools um, are much more comfortable with a reward system. Others are much more comfortable with just staff members getting into a habit of acknowledging and recognizing. Because um, if every six interactions, if five of those six interactions are positive, um, it really sets a, a great tone for your building. And so one of the things we've always asked our staff to do is really make sure that you recognize students who are demonstrating um, desired expectations. Thank you. So in a couple of the things that you um, said really struck me, and I'm glad that you pointed out too that I've heard so many times that 
it's a system that rewards tangibles or gives students stickers for doing what a good human being should do. Um, and so I can, can you speak at all to that there might be some schools out there attempting to implement some sort of a system, but who are maybe seeing adverse results or, or something where they, they are seeing kids now being conditioned to do something for a reward? And that's something that when we um, went through our training, and um, also I also help with um, some training, um, that's a question we get a lot from people is like, well, you know, they're just going to do it for the reward. And so the, basically what the system that you create is, is tailored to what your building is all about. And so there are, there are schools that are implementing that they have no tangible rewards at all, that they just um, get into a habit of, of recognizing students in a positive way. Um, we chose as a building to do some tangibles um, and uh, we use, uh, which many schools do, we use like a ticket system. Mm -hmm. So a student gets what is called a Blue Jacket Pride ticket and it's just a tangible um, recognition of doing um, expect, what's expected, like a Blue Jacket, we say you're showing Blue Jacket Pride, which is kind of what our theme for our school is. Mm -hmm. So I show Blue Jacket Pride when I walk in the hallway uh, facing forward, with my hands at my side, um, that kind of a thing. And that, when I see that, I give you a ticket. And then when you get that ticket in our building, you get two choices, one, actually three. Some students just keep the ticket as a, and they keep it with them all the time as an acknowledgement and they, they get, they're excited that they got a ticket. Um, some students um, enter, put their tickets in the weekly drawing that we have. Um, and then the third way is we have a school store and so students can save those tickets. So we kind of try to individualize it for each student's needs because each student is in a different place. Um, I remember speaking with a parent and their child had 60 tickets um, that they had earned and they didn't uh, put it in the weekly drawing or spend it. They just were proud of um, how many they accumulated and they just had <laughs> had basically taped them to the wall in their room and it set a personal goal to get a hundred. And so that those are the kinds of things that I think is really important with PBIS is that it is, um, each student is gonna kind of work through that in their own way. Um, some people are gonna want the tangible, some people are, are not gonna want the tangible, but um, we tried to make our system a little bit um, encompassing to cover um, hopefully all assets of it. Um, attributes of it, I mean, but uh, it, it is a system that each school kind of develops their own. And that's what's important is when you're going through the development process, what is your school like and what works best for your school? And um, if people in your team are overly concerned about the tangibles, then think about what are some things you can do. But because the, the important thing in PBIS is a positive interaction between adults and children that's what it's all about it's about the adults and children having positive interactions um, uh, when a child comes to school and they know that they're going to have numerous positive interactions with adults um, that makes them more more motivated and also makes them better um, you know just better at, at being um, good citizens because they they're, they're excited for the attention and they're excited to please and that's really what it's about and I think sometimes people get lost in the details of, well, are we gonna give out rewards or are we gonna, whatever. And um, I think the important thing is, is how are you gonna create a positive place for students in your school? I like that you went to that, that part because I do think, as you said, a lot of people may, might find themselves um, getting caught up on that, those details, but really it's all about acknowledging and making sure that when the students come to school that they have those positive interactions with the staff and each other. Um, which brings me then to, I had two kind of other aha moments or questions. So when you talked about um, before you really even start to plan, you need to make sure that you have buy-in and support from the staff as a whole. And in my experience with the school that was interested in and in going through that process, um, I remember it included the janitorial staff the so it's not just the classroom teachers you know and support staff it's <laughs> it's the entire building that has to um that has to have that buy-in so can i ask um it sounds to me like you had that already but what are what are some of the selling or marketing pieces that 
would get people to say, yeah, I completely support this. And not only that, I will make sure that I am adding to the value of this so that you hit that 80% and you know that you have a better chance at the success rate of the plan itself. So part of it is, it for us, was individualizing it to the needs of different staff. So for example, um, one of the things when we started in 2010 is, um, with our custodial staff is, um, one of the things I said to them is, I know that oftentimes the bathrooms are not in the state that, that they should be and that our students are not taking care of them. And I asked them, what, what, can, what can I do to help support you with that? And I suggested to them, what would happen if each week you judged all of the bathrooms that you clean and the cleanest bathroom would get a golden plunger? And the custodian said, well, that would be great because we now are part of the process. And so every Friday morning, our head custodian would say, Mark, the, the grade level that had the cleanest bathroom this week was, and then we would announce it. And um, the, we took a toilet plunger and we, we spray painted it gold and they got to uh, keep it in their wing of the building for that week. And um, it became kind of a competition but it also accomplished two things. One is it, it got the students excited about keeping the bathrooms clean, but it also gave our custodians some, um, some connection to our building. We did the same thing with our food service staff. Um, one of the things that the food service staff were, were saying to me is that students are not um, always very respectful when they're in line. They're kind of um, talking too loud or not being respectful. So one of the things that we did is we um, trained our students on what it should look like in the lunch line. And then we did the same thing. Um, you know, who's going to win the golden lunch award. And this time it was like a lunch bucket type of thing. And, and again, whatever the food, food service staff was then empowered to tell us which of the five lunches in our building was the most respectful that that week and then again we would announce it and um it wasn't like they were getting anything it was just a small little traveling trophy but the idea behind it was to get them involved and once they felt that they had a, a little say um it also helped them begin to look for the positive so they got they were looking for great examples and then i would ask them give me some examples of students who did a really great job and when people start looking for the positives, um, it kind of becomes a, a self-fulfilling prophecy where then you begin to see the world a little differently. And that really got them to buy into when they started um, looking, at, looking for the positive things that were happening. And the students then liked the attention and it kind of turned the tide. So those are some examples of ways. We did the same thing with the bus, with bus drivers, same exact thing. We, we had them hand out when they saw students demonstrating Blue Jacket Pride on the school bus, they were given um, tickets as well. Um, but then also when the bus drivers did that, and I, it, if the students entered in them and drawing, when the student won, then I would go out and I would recognize the student and the bus driver and take a picture and give it to our transportation director. And then he would hang those um, on the board. And then that kind of became a little competition as well. So I think, I think it's uh, all about including them and just doing those little things to kind of play on people's competitive spirit a little bit. And yeah. I think that that um, worked really well for us. I also hear too that in addition to that um, nice competitive spirit is having the say, having the voice and being able to take ownership in it as well by mm -hmm. coming up with these different things and asking them what are some of the biggest issues that you see you know in your role and then addressing those in a way that supports PBIS as, as well so like you said it really addresses a lot of different things um, so 80% buy-in um, my other question was I remember this as well and I believe that this maybe was a uh, I don't want to say misinterpretation but the perception of what it is often people think it's Yes, all staff have to be involved and have to support it and have to have ownership in it, um, but it's for the students. It's expectations for the students. Can you comment on, and I'm going to give one example, so students in hallways, when they have their hands by their sides and they're walking in a straight line and their voices are either off or quiet, um, but then the teachers are, if they see somebody else are talking, and I know I've heard a couple of times that some people think that it should be 
all everyone is following the expectations and some think well no this is just for the students so can you speak to that too because i know that one i've been curious about as well absolutely it's really about your your school culture and so um, one of the things that happens sometimes is people want to say well it's only for the students but it's really about the whole building because even if two adults in the hallway are talking they are creating noise which might interrupt someone so for us it was everyone is um, the same so the expectations were the same for everyone and it also allowed us then to tell people that if you know if you have a con if you're having a conversation um, take it into a conference room or into a classroom uh, empty classroom or wherever um, or into the office area because uh, that's just showing respect for everyone so that's what we did um, and it, it, it was a it wasn't like it happened overnight but really it was if we expect the hallways to be quiet then we need to model that as well because the students look to the adults sometimes for um, direction and if they see the adults doing what's expected of them um, I think it sets a good uh, tone for your building um, but again each building is a little bit different and some people it's a it's a journey and so maybe you start with the students and then you work with your staff um, some some buildings I know have worked with their staff first and then introduced it to students and so it's kind of a unique part of PBIS is that you can really tailor it to the needs of the building and what you would like to accomplish can I ask too for you your building has now I think did you say 2006 that you started at the I started in 2010 okay um, that you I mean, you you have this, it's implemented, and yes, it, it never is fully um, where it needs to be at. There's always that, that feedback and monitoring of things. How do you, with new staff or people who come on, how do you engage them in the buy-in process if they're, if they're new and they weren't in the beginning stages at the conception of the idea itself? That's a really great question. Usually what we do, well, not usually, every year what we do after about 2012 is we've, we've just included it in our um, back to school training for staff. And we have about an hour dedicated to PBIS. And we talk about the why, we, we, sh we share data um, about what, what's, what we've accomplished, where we were and where we're heading. Um, I always like to start with saying, here's where we were in 2010. And here's where we were last year. And um, it has been a reduction in the number of disciplinary office disciplinary referrals or ODRs as we call them. And that's the important piece of it is, is that um, we track two things. We track the number of um, discipline referrals, but we also track the percentage of students with zero disciplinary referrals. And our goal is always is to have 80% of our students with zero discipline referrals by the end of the year, um, and then try to reduce every year by at least 5% the number of office referrals um, as a way to kind of track our progress. And most years we accomplish that. There are some years that are, um, obviously we, we do more, a uh, better job than others, but that's kind of what we do is we also use the data to kind of back up and support um, that what we're trying to accomplish. Um, okay, so I am wrapping my head around this whole thing. Mm -hmm. When we have staff fully engaged and understanding and they are ready to roll this out, or they're, they're, I mean, they're saying, yes, let's, let's move forward. Um, do you collect data before you plan? And I know I looked at, you had created a presentation that you shared with me prior to this recording mm -hmm. um, that showed, you know, you come up with the, the, matrices the different pieces for mm -hmm. that um what's the what's the next step now that you have everybody on board what what's next so once you have everybody on board then it's creating the matrices and kind of deciding what expectations you have in all of your common areas and so usually what happens in most um, districts they're implementing is there's a creation of a pbis leadership team and that in most schools, I'd say almost all, but not necessarily all, um, have representation from every uh, part. So they, like in our building, we had representation from all of the grade levels. We had representation from our, our specialists, our special education department, our intervention team, um, our, our custodians, our office staff, our instructional support, um, paraprofessionals, everybody 
um, was represented. And then from there we met and started talking about what is it that we expect and what, what do we want to call it? Um, so it's a process. And the first step is always start small, um, pick out some things that you would like to, uh, to see change quickly. Um, like for us, it was the hallway and then um, kind of develop it from there. Don't try to do too much too soon. Um, one of the things that I've noticed when I've been helping with uh, PBIS training is many schools after one year, um, well, why haven't we changed the world yet? Why, why isn't everything perfect? And it's, it's, a, it's a journey. And so it, it takes time because it's all about developing your culture and creating it. And that takes, uh, research says three to five years. And after five years, you should um, have some, you know, demonstrated change happening positively. Um, some, some schools, it might be faster. Some schools, it might take a few years. It just depends upon the unique attributes of um, each school. But basically, once you have the staff on board, you create those expectations for your common areas and then in your classroom. And then the next step is to train students on what's expected. And um, that can be anything from when we did it, I would have the students come down in small groups and I would review with them. Um, and then we would make videos and then we would uh, show those videos throughout the year um, to help remind students what's expected. And in those videos, we would try to use a little humor um, to try to engage the students to understand the why. So those were some of the things that we did to kind of get started the first few steps. And then of course we talked about how we wanted to acknowledge students and we determined we wanted to use a, a ticket system. So we created our Blue Jacket Pride tickets and then made sure we gave those to all of our staff and then encouraged them to, the goal was is to, is to catch five students doing something positive and recognizing them each day so that we would be able to acknowledge that we had five positive interactions a day with students. And so that was, that was basically how we started. Um, can I ask, I'm curious about this as well, <clears throat> have you run into a certain handful or number of the same students are just receiving tickets and the, the positive um, interactions with staff much more than those who are, it's a little bit more of a challenge for them to, um, to remain quiet in the hallways or whatever that might be. So oh, sure. how does that, and I know you shared too that the tier system, and I, I love that really PBIS is not meant for the 20%, I mean, or the, it's meant for everybody. So mm -hmm. the system and the, and the plan itself is meant, like you said, it really builds a new culture. Um, so what does that look like though for, I can just see that if, if tangibles or if there is this reward system in place where we are rewarding students for being respectful or having those positive interactions with them, what happens to those who are not getting as many? How does that, how, does, how do they fit in? Sure, that's a great question. Uh, how we did it is the first couple of weeks when we did it, we checked, had teachers check their, because um, they kept a little box uh, that students could put into the weekly drawings and we just asked them to go through and look at who you recognized that week or who got recognized and who didn't. And then we challenged our staff to do uh, the next week, the task of finding something positive for those students that you normally do not or hadn't been recognizing. And so that's kind of how we did it. We also have um, an opportunity then for some of our support staff um, to recognize uh, students as well, to make sure. And we found that Oftentimes, some of our, our custodians, our, our food service, our lunchroom supervisors, our, our recess supervisors were ones that um, really quickly caught on to the fact that um, all means all. And so they went out of their way to make sure that they praised and recognized students who might struggle when they were doing something very positive. And in fact, um, I received a lot of emails. Mr. Zebarth, I just want to let you know that this student it would did a really great job today and I know for them it's some, somewhat difficult and so we would make sure that um, we would recognize them as well and so we tried we challenged ourselves to make sure we were being mindful of who was and was not being recognized 
Um, and um, as I said to people, the recognition needed to be sincere. It needed to be specific. It couldn't just be great job. Um, as I, when we first started it, there was a lot of people that were just saying great job and handing a student a ticket. And what we found is when you said great job walking in the hallway with your hands at your side, facing forward with your voice at a one or a two, um, that was a little better because people understood what they were doing and they made the connection. And that's what's important. Another question now, and I'm just coming up with lots of questions as you're, as you're talking awesome. about the experience. Um, that's great. <laughs> I see, um, that there are, and as you, you said in the beginning, this needs to be something where all classrooms have the same expectations in terms of PBIS. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm assuming every classroom will probably have additional specific classrooms, mm -hmm. you know, depending on their grade level and, and what their needs are. Um, but so if you come up with a matrix for the hallway, the bathrooms, the cafeteria, the classrooms and other spaces and outside, does it, did you ever hear that it became too complex or too much for both the staff and maybe the students, those who are in the younger grades to, to learn? Or, or when you create these matrices, are they so, so similar yet particular mm -hmm. to their, their area or um, yeah, space in the building that it's easy to identify that they have the same expectations in terms of categories or something. And, but then because I'm in the cafeteria, here's what this one means. And because I'm in the, the restrooms, here's what this one means. That's, that's exactly right. It, it, it is, uh, we basically use um, our five character traits that our, our school district has five character traits that we, um, have been supporting for over 20 years. And so it's honesty, respect, responsibility, self-discipline and compassion. And um, we just kind of tailor everything to that. So when I'm in the hallway, I am compassionate by keeping my voice off to a one or two because I'm being compassionate. You know what I mean? Just keep it really simple like that, but then tie it in, tie those character traits into all areas. When I'm entering and exiting the building, I show compassion by holding the door for others. Um, so some of those kinds of things, but we try to use the character traits and then we, we get specific with each area. So that's one way to kind of reduce the complexity of it. But really what we try to do is in each area, we have the expectations posted. So like when students are leaving to go outside for recess, the expectations for recess are posted um, right by where they're leaving to go out for recess, the expectations for the cafeteria are posted in the cafeteria, and in the hallway, the expectations for the hallway are posted. So we try to do it that way as well, so that there's a visual reminder. And for our younger students, we also try to do um, pictures to kind of represent what that might look like, um, so that they have the visual representation as well. So we try to keep it simple. Um, and um, try to make it specific at the same time for that area. But you're right, we don't wanna, we don't, you don't wanna get too complicated with it. Um, and I know for people who maybe have no idea what this is all about, hearing about all these matrices and um, all matrices and all this stuff, it seems a little bit, maybe that's too complicated. But really what it is, is just saying, what are your expectations? So think about your very first week of school when you take the students around as a teacher and you're um, reviewing things, that's really the time that you would say, wait, well, hey, when we use the bathroom, um, these are the things that we want to do so that everyone feels safe, they feel secure, they still feel respected, they still feel um, safe, whatever the case might be. And uh, when we're in the hallway, and so it's a, it's a part of that, of just your, your good uh, teaching. And then it's just having those um, visuals posted throughout the building so there's reminders. Um, for students and it also then allows if if you see someone not doing exactly what they're supposed to in the hallway um, Then the uh, person the staff person can say hey, what you know when you're in the hallway What's what does a blue jacket do and then they the students will recite because most of them have memorized it And then you can say what well, was your voice at a one or two and then the student will usually say well No, I was probably at a five I said, well, just remember that when we're blue jackets We need to be at a one or two to be you know compassionate to other people 
and then that's usually the interaction that you would have with them and again it's it's more of a positive interaction versus don't run in the hallway or something like that um trying to do that so but yeah that's that's how we try to do it and and uh, most schools that um do pbis they tend to have like a slogan or something like um, i know a lot of people it's be respectful be responsible be safe um and then they maybe have like a little uh, b as their symbol and then they might have what does it mean to be responsible be respectful and be safe um so those are the kinds of things that they do and try to keep it a visual so for us uh, in our school it's blue jacket pride so what does blue jacket pride mean when and then we say when you're in the classroom when you're at specials when you're in the office um, and so that's just a way for students to uh to kind of keep keep it in mind and we just use a simple term like blue jacket pride and then most students know exactly what that means so um hopefully that helps yeah so you have you spoke about um support staff and how not just classroom teachers are involved in helping to monitor in places where the classroom might be passing or the cafeteria the hallways that sort of a thing so how do you and maybe i'll just kind of say what i'm thinking right now is mm -hmm. a sure, lot of times do. students tend to um, act differently if they are not in the direct vision of their teacher so when they are in the hallways, if they are not, I mean, if, if they're doing something, how are the support staff, those who are also working to support the well-being and success of, of the students in the building, how are they given the, like, please, please do help to monitor, please praise those students who you see, please um help to redirect those students that you see that are out of it so how do you how do you involve them in the whole process um first thing we did is is uh just to let them know that when they see something it's kind of like um when you go to the airport and there's a big sign that says when you see something say something um so it's kind of the same philosophy for us so we tell people when you see something say something and if it's um, positive make sure that you say something and if it's if it's something they're not doing correct make sure that you remind them um, what's expected but the key key piece is to make sure that we change the narrative from a negative to a positive and that's the one thing that's been the most uh, i think transformational for our building is um, getting everyone to remember to say things in a positive um, light instead of saying don't run especially for our support staff is just say remind them um, what's expected in the hallway so for example make this a positive interaction instead of a negative and say um, when we show blue jacket pride in the hallway we and then you state what the, those expectations are or you say i really appreciate how you showed blue jacket pride in the hallway by um, and then you state what the, what you what you saw and i think either way that it creates a positive interaction and I think for our support staff, it really helped them because they felt just as empowered as our teachers. Um, and I think that the more people understand that they are also part of the solution and part of our culture, um, the better. And so I think that that's been the one thing I've noticed is, is all staff members now feel that they're part of um, maintaining our culture and that it is not just the classroom teacher. And in fact, what I tell my staff is, when a student is not with their teacher and they're in the hallway and they're demonstrating blue jacket pride, that is precisely the time that you need to recognize them because that is when they're demonstrating self-discipline. Because it's easy to do it when the adult is there with you, but as you pointed out in your question, it's a much more difficult when I am by myself um, or with some friends. And that's when I really make a point of of recognizing um, students who are doing a great job. Thank you. So mm -hmm. once you have the this in place, um, and you talked about with classroom teachers as they're going for the first few weeks of school, kind of anchoring the expectations, and um, is there any sort of uh, progress pieces along the way? And maybe it's not progress pieces, but reminders, like re-anchoring, because sometimes <laughs> that honeymoon period tends to wear off after a little bit of time. And so what does that look like? Do you have 
whole assemblies ever, or is it just at the um, discretion of the classroom teacher when they start to see that maybe we need to revisit these, or is it really none of that and it's supposed to be at any day all the way through just implemented in the regular um, workings of school? So this may sound like a crazy answer, but the, the, the real answer is all of the above because we do all of those things. Um, we, uh, when we first started, we, we were very deliberate about at the beginning of the year. And then the first day back after winter vacation in January, we did another formal training. And then we usually did one after spring break. So we tried to do three very formal trainings and we continue to do that. But then what we incorporated is, um, uh, as part of our PBIS program, we, we started a daily announcement uh, program. And we, uh, again, because we said for us, students are really, really important. So we changed the announcements from Mr. Zebarth doing them over the PA system to the students taking over the announcements and the students did the recording. Um, but also part of that then is the students would then um, remind their fellow students of the expectations. So we would pick a theme um, each month. So it might be hallways, and then we would um, do some fun things with it and just talk about it. So we would do that. And then teachers, if they saw things, or um, like I said, if they got a report that the bathrooms were not being very, um, not being taken care of, that then that would be a focus um, for them. And so in our building, we do morning meetings as part of our, um, our school-wide system of social emotional learning. So we start the day with a morning meeting. And so that becomes part of the morning meeting. If, um, if a teacher finds out that there are some areas that they need to focus on, then they can focus on it. Um, as part of it too, we decided to kind of develop a, a school-wide uh, program each month where we get together as a community and celebrate all of the great things that we're doing. And that has been a way to kind of rally and unify our school. And we also then um, highlight and celebrate, um, you know, who's been doing a great job with the bathrooms and who's doing a great job in the lunchroom. And then we have um, different things that we do. This year we instituted, uh, when, when we're at an assembly, we show Blue Jacket Pride by, and then um, we pick one grade level to have the crown for the month. And then they're, they're the ones that showed the most Blue Jacket Pride at the assembly. And so part of it is um, just continuing to celebrate and, and talk about the positives. And when we see things that need to be corrected, we address it in a way that's positively stated, but also um, kind of put it out there as, a, as, a, as a, getting into that competitive thing, again, with a challenge like, okay, who can you know show Blue Jacket Pride in the cafeteria the most in the next month and at the end and the next month's assembly we will we will un, uh, you know unveil this month's uh winner and the students get excited about it and that's it's just a it's again a way of making it so that it doesn't seem like drudgery or oh i have to do this but to try to make it um, fun and engaging um, and the most important thing for us is to make sure that the student voice is heard um, get them in the videos get them doing the announcements um, when we uh, set a goal for ourselves that when we earn 10,000 tickets, the whole school will get to benefit. Um, the students vote on the, uh, what that is. We don't pick it out, the students get to pick it out. And uh, every year when we do that, we have the absolutely the best day because the students picked out what it was. And uh, last year we had school-wide movie day and uh, we had purchased a site license from a company that allowed us to show movies. And uh, we had the students pick the movies and we had 147 kids in the gym watching a movie and it was the quietest in the entire building. Um, every, every room was just, it was unbelievable. And that continues to get staff to buy in when they see these amazing moments where students really demonstrate that when they're given a little bit more control or a little bit more uh, say in their day-to-day -day school, um, they really respond. So, yeah, I hear, uh, I hear, staff are successful in implementing because, or when they are empowered and their voices are heard, and the system itself is also successful because student voices, students are empowered, and student voices are heard along the way. And as you said, you want to make sure that 
students have a part in this, whether it be the announcements or choosing what the um, celebration might look like altogether or, or specifically. So uh, that's just, it's one of those where it seems so simple and yet right. often I feel like it might be overlooked a lot where if you just, if you involve Absolutely. them and really let people to ha have their voice and, and buy in and ownership um, and, and empower them to become somebody who sits at the table with you, it really allows the potential to be fully maximized or optimized um, for yep. the success and outcome. So, um, I'm curious, you, you spoke about collecting data and information and, and constantly mm -hmm. monitoring that so that you know maybe if there are areas that need to be tweaked or, as you said, maybe there's a new theme or something that needs to be focused on for a month or um, what are some of the pieces of data or how did you determine what you were going to collect and how you were going to collect it to help inform decisions in the future? That's a great question. So when we first started, um, we picked some areas that uh, was reported to me that maybe needed some help. So for example, recess um, was an area. So recess where maybe there with uh, interaction, um, there was a lot of negative interactions involving students having difficulties um, when they were playing a game, a lot of negative interaction where there were arguments and stuff like that. So for example, that was an area. So then um, a lot of times those students would then uh, process in our student resource room and we would collect that data and we entered into our student management system called Skyward. And then each month um, we would have that data. And then if that's an area, let's say that that was an area we wanted to focus on, then we would um, do announcements and we would have classroom teachers in morning meeting talk a little bit about ways that we resolve conflict in the playground. And then what happens is we collect that data and after a month we say, well, last month we had 23 incidents and this month we had, let's say we had 14. And then that's what we would celebrate and then we would keep doing that. So the data is really, really important. Um, the schools that do PBIS, you can either do, there's a whole system through uh, Swiss, it's called the Swiss system um, that you can purchase each year. And we at the time determined that since we had to do that information for our district anyway into our Skyward, we just do the Skyward system. And so each month I print out the reports and share those with um, our PBIS team and then at our faculty meetings. And then I put that information in my uh, weekly newsletter um, at the end of each month and we kind of track how things are going and celebrate um, those things. And so um, one of the things that was really interesting for me is I was, when we first started, I was really focusing in on the number of kids who got office discipline referrals. Um, and then about three years ago, I started thinking about, well, if we're supposed to be doing things that are positively stated, what happens if we talk about the percentage of students that have zero referrals and really celebrate that? And so that now we do both. We do the number of office disciplinary referrals, um, you know, each month where we're at, um, and then also um, the percentage of students that have zero. And uh, last year I had um, a fifth grade group that only 90% of the students had zero referrals. And that was a fifth grade group. 90% uh, and <laughs> and then uh, I had last year a fourth grade group that had it was 86% um, and so you think about that um, as a as a school if the number of students getting disciplinary referrals is is only 10% of your students think about the time that is then um, not lost for instruction um, think about the time that is not lost with students processing in a resource room um, those are really huge things and that number used to be, you know, we used to be like 65% of the students had zero disciplinary referrals and now when we're sitting, um, you know, in the 80% range, um, that's a lot less time that's being spent on discipline referrals. Um, the other thing that we found by collecting data is even though we might have a lot of office disciplinary referrals, the number of students getting office disciplinary referrals was less and because of that, then we could begin to provide targeted interventions, which is also part of PBIS for those 10% uh, of our students that were having difficulties. And we could do things like check in, check out, and we could do um, some time with a counselor and we could do groups and some of those kinds of things to help students that were um, struggling. Because if the expectations have been 
taught and then they reviewed and a student is struggling with um, those, then we can take the staff and have them provide those intervention supports for those students. And that really speaks to, I like that you thought about and had that revelation of I'm collecting data on office referrals, but this is positive behavior. So why don't we look at then, um, you know, the numbers that numbers that aren't, um, but that's, that speaks volumes as well, because as you said, then you start to be able to identify those select few who, who um, can receive those extra supports and those extra services along the way. So um, I hear office referrals. Um, are there any other pieces? And well, you talked about the playground. Um, are there any other big data pieces that are collected across the course of uh, a year or are they just kind of done maybe segmented throughout the year according to what are the things that you are noticing are changing? Yeah, the, so as a district, we've, we have listed, there's 20 different areas that if a student is referred for, um, you know, to the resource room for a disciplinary referral, there's 20 different categories, you know, everything from, from theft to, um, you know, fighting or whatever else. And all of those things are recorded. And then what happens is you, um, at the end of the month, you can print out a, a graph that shows, um, you know, what were, what number of, as students had, were involved in a, in a fight or what number of students were involved in theft or what number of students were, were um, you know, got a bus referral. And then what you can do is once you have that data, then that's where you can direct some of your attention and your resources. As a school, we only have, we have limited resources. So if we can direct that um, using our morning meeting and our staff to direct it to where the needs are, um, that's a better use of our time than trying to say, oh, we're going to try to, you know, be all things to all people. Well, we can't. Uh, we don't have enough resources. But if we know that there is a huge need to talk about recess or about the bus, then we can direct our, uh, um, our resources to have the biggest impact. And so that's where the data really helps us with that is because it allows us to target um, what it is we want to collect. So as a district, all of our K-12 schools have a number of categories um, that we, you know, we would code things. And then we just look at those codes at the end of each month and say, where do we have the most needs? Um, and then because also not along that behavior, but then where it happened. So was it at recess? Was it in the hallways? Was it in the bathroom? Where, what, where were those behaviors happening? Because again, does that mean we need to maybe do some reteaching uh, in the bathroom or at recess? Um, and that's where I involve my support staff. So like our recess supervisors, if there needs to be some reteaching, then they can do that um, with my support. So Great. So it, to keep the pulse, really, you do data collection, but you revisit it on a monthly basis to determine whether you need to pivot or address a certain area um, or if something new is coming up or maybe you could I don't want to say drop something, but you don't need to give as much focus and attention to one particular data piece. Right. That's correct. Yeah. And that, that helps because like I said, then you're using your resources more efficiently versus trying to, you know, do every, every area. If there's an area that doesn't need as much attention that month, give it where the attention is, is needed for that month. Yeah. Um, so I have one final question. I shouldn't say mm -hmm. that. There will be two final questions, but then okay. this is the first of the two yeah. is on your um, presentation slides as well. I saw a slide that really hit home on being um, aware of the, the student culture that um, I should say so that it's equally considering the students culture and those that you serve with PBIS. So mm -hmm. it's not something where you just say, this is what needs to happen and here's what we're going to do about it and here are the rewards but what has your team done in really truly looking at the students that you serve in creating this plan and i'm i'm saying it coming from a place where my current employment we are um, on a very high number of students um, who are Somalian or Somali American and I can see how maybe one school district's plan is very different from what we could offer. So what um, needs to be done in order to make sure that the plan has those pieces in place so that it is successful? 
I, and I think that's a really good point. And I think what we did is we talked to what we, um, I did some kind of, for lack of a better term, focus groups with students to talk about what are their needs, what are their wants, what kinds of things do they want to see in their school. Um, and then also just understanding our community and what the needs are and what kinds of things are engaging and, and just kind of understanding their story. And some of that comes from focus groups. Some of that comes from, um, you know, being a principal for 15 years and understanding your community, but also just, um, again, working with your PTO and other groups to say, you know, what are the things that are really important? And so, for example, you know, one of the things that's come up the last couple years for us has been um, digital digital citizenship and how students act online which has been great because uh, with the switch to distance learning with as a result of the governor's directive related to COVID-19 um, having had opportunities to work with students on digital uh, citizenship has been really helpful because I, I can't imagine um, unleashing a Chromebook um, you know on a student without any um, training or any expectations. So one of the last pieces of, of the matrix that we just finished last week was the um, the digital citizenship or I show blue jacket pride when I'm doing online learning by and some of that came just from the students in terms of when we first started uh, distance learning the teachers just said what kinds of things do you think we need to remember when we're doing distance learning now because this is a new world for us and again we just ask the students what is it and then then they gave the answers and then we use that to compile our our expectations and so um but i think it's really important that you use the student voice and and be very conscious of of your student body and what their needs are because um it really does make a difference and that's one of the things i really like about pbis is it's not something that every school has to look the same um, every school that's implementing PBIS looks a little bit different. And I remember the first time I did training and was talking about what I did, um, one of the people from Duluth that was presenting with me said, just remember that every school is a little bit different and that their, their PBIS program might look a little different than yours. And uh, really, really, you know, kind of hit home with me because I think sometimes when you're wrapped up in what you did, that sometimes you think, well, that's the way to do it. And I think that's one mistake you don't want to make is say every school has to be the same. It's not. It's, it's individualized for each school's needs. And similarly, but from the opposite side, rather than seeing just your story as the only, the only way to go for those who are in their first few years of implementation, understanding that there are key pieces that were successful for you because mm -hmm. you did the work in making sure that not only student but staff, um, all staff voices were, were heard and were brought into consideration before the planning stages even happened. Um, you know, so the plans, we don't have to just look at one particular plan and say that's the way it has to be or that's the way that we have to do it because it worked so well. But instead, we have to say these pieces work so well because they got to know and because they truly understood their students and staff. So we need to make sure that we have all of those pieces into place so we can create our own plan that's flexible, but tailored right. to our needs um, of our building. Great. Absolutely. So. Um, are there any are there any other key pieces um, for that you can speak to? And this is the final question for um, what are maybe certain areas that somebody or a school or building a group of people who are pursuing this or in their first few years? What might be some common pitfalls to avoid or things that rather than experiencing them, they should have the heads up on and be able to maybe step aside. Absolutely. So one of the nice things about being part of a, a Minnesota Department of Ed cohort is that each year um, you do a, a survey kind of where you're at on your implementation. And um, the other thing that's nice about doing the cohort with MDE is then they have um, sessions each year that you can attend to kind of uh, help get things restarted or if you're stuck on some things. Um, and then the other thing that's really been helpful for us is that every summer 
the Department of Ed offers just a, a free PBIS summer institute down in last few years anyway, it's been in Roseville at the, at the headquarters there. Um, and that's been really helpful too, because um, all kinds of schools talk about, you know, this is working well, this isn't working well. But I would say some of the pitfalls are um, when you start with anything, there's this tremendous amount of enthusiasm and excitement. And then as I've learned um, as a principal is, is that sometimes people, you know, switch schools or, or they retire or they leave and then you've got new people. And sometimes it's hard to maintain that enthusiasm. Um, I think the key thing to remember is, is that um, you to do the very best you can. Um, make sure that you have included the students and to know that um, it's not going to be perfect and know that some years are going to be harder than others. Um, just because of things that happen in your school culture that you maybe didn't anticipate. But the biggest thing is, um, you know, after that first maybe couple years of excitement, just make sure that um, you continue to address the, the data and you continue to, to play on the successes that you're seeing. And then to remind people that this is a journey. We have not reached the final destination yet. Um, because I think sometimes people, one of the pitfalls is after a year or two, they say, well, we're in place, we're good to go. I don't have to worry about PBIS or behaviors anymore. And the reality is, is it's a continuing journey because every school year is a, is a journey because um, you have different students every single year. And I think that's the, probably the biggest pitfall people have is, is when they hit maybe something that's not going as well. Um, sometimes they think to themselves, well, you know, maybe this isn't for us. Um, a lot of the schools that, that I've um, sat in on training for, many of them started and then some of them have um, unfortunately maybe had a leadership change or had a couple people leave. And when those people have left, it's been really, really hard for them to maintain because they just didn't have that system. And I think it's all about creating a system where uh, everything's organized. So one of the things that is recommended by MDE and we've done since day one is um, in the spring of the year, always spend some time planning for the following year, organizing, you know, how are we going to do our, our, our teaching of expectations? How are we going to talk about, um, you know, our assemblies? How are we going to, all of the different pieces. I mean, how are we going to share our data? How are we going to talk about, um, you know, needs with staff? And so the more that we can plan um, in the spring or in the summer for the following year, it just makes it a whole lot easier as well. Thank you. I, I heard you say multiple times that this is a journey and I appreciate that you say that as well because I've, um, I've really come to the understanding that any sort of system, plan, initiative, any sort of change really does not take place and, and so many people are excited about it but after the course of the first year as you said or I mean maybe even sooner than that it kind of feels like it might lose its luster a little bit because the energy is starting to wear but you have to think about this in long range and that as you said three to five years really is what we're looking at to, to be fully um, understanding of where we are and if we need to we need to keep monitoring this but by years between years three and five you really shouldn't be considering making big pivots or anything but that's how long it takes you know right and so, yeah. I agree I think that's what's hard and one of the one of the joys of, of old age is in this particular case is I've had the the pleasure of seeing it from the beginning to now and you really can see the the change and although staff have come and gone the one thing that's been consistent is every year we see things get better and better and i think having that full you know 10,000 foot view of it is really helpful as well absolutely well thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to um to talk about your story and what it looks like for your building and your team to be able to not only have implemented it, but really have a strong hold of what it looks like and how to keep it up and running and be as successful as it is. So um, we really appreciate that. For those who are listening and or watching this recording right now, if they are curious or they want to learn more, um, how would they be able to get into contact with you or connect with you? Absolutely. So I am on Twitter. I'm fairly active on Twitter. Um, I am at Mark Zebarth. So just at my name. 
Um, and then I also can be reached, my email is mzbarth at c-ischools.org. So email or Twitter are two ways that you can uh, follow uh, me. Um, and uh, those would be two great ways to contact me. And I uh, would love to uh, help um, if any questions you have or anything about PBIS. Um, again, I would also recommend that if any of you are thinking about becoming a PBIS school um, this summer, hopefully if, uh, if you know, everything kind of calms down with the pandemic, but every June, um, the Department of Ed sponsors a PBIS Summer Institute. And there's always a session in there called PBIS 101. Um, and just also opportunities to meet and network with schools and, and learn what they're doing at all levels from elementary to high school, um, preschool, everything. And so um, those are really good opportunities that the Summer Institute is, is, is no cost. So great way to learn a little bit more about PBIS as well if you're interested. Thank you. And we'll make sure that your contact information and your Twitter handle are on our resource page um, for those who are accessing that as well. Awesome. So, Thank you so much. Yes. So thanks to you all for taking the time to join our Learning Minnesota conversation with Mark Zebarth on the topic of PBIS. Don't forget to visit our site, www.learningminnesota.com, for additional resources on this particular topic and more videos in our resource library. Thank you.